Hey, Rob. What do you think of our funky new football in Berkshire branding? They're great, Tom. Who's made them? They've been created by friend of FIB, Ellis Woods, who runs his own creative agency, Flair Media. He's heavily involved in grassroots football and kindly sponsors this very podcast. That's great. What else do they do? Well, it's funny you should say that, Rob. Ellis offers affordable digital marketing, digital and print branding like logos, banners, flyers and business cards, as well as website content creation and management. Go and have a look at flaremedia.online and tell Ellis we sent you. Hello and welcome to Berkshire Football Stories with Tom Canning and Rob Davis, a podcast that aims to dig deep into the history of the non-league and grassroots game across the county. Literally speaking, we'll be working our way across the county from Slough Town in the east to Hungerford Town in the west with a mazy dribble through Chalvey, Windsor, Binfield and Oldermarston, where we'll stop for a delicious pre-match meal inside a nuclear facility, Rob. Uh, I'm not joking, it really was a very good meal. Um, I'd like to introduce my co-podder, who I have already mentioned, Rob Davis, who will be charting the various points of interest along the M4 corridor with me. Hello, Rob. Hello, Tom. Uh, enjoyed last week? I did indeed, actually. Yeah, it was uh, a really good one. Unfortunately, we won't know the answers to the podcast as we have recorded these back to back. So the timey in, time goes all out the window when you're doing this kind of thing. It gets very, very confusing. Okay. Um, so we're talking about Maidenhead this week, we are. Uh, as, we'll, as we'll discover. You are a Maidenhead fan, or you, you've been a regular at Maidenhead United over the years since you've moved into Berkshire? In the past, yeah. I, I moved to Maidenhead when I was uh, pretty young, and I think that's uh, where I sort of started going to see non-league football, first of all. In, yeah. Around the mid-90s <laughs> to sort of the early noughties, I was fairly regular at York Road. And I know you're quite nervous about the quiz later because it's a Maidenhead United quiz. Absolutely, we'll yeah. see how it goes. <laughs> I should know the answers, but I'm not sure I do. So, um, Okay, if you'd like to contribute, ask a question, offer a correction, and I'm sure there'll be a few of those, uh, or simply rave about the podcast online, then you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at FI Berkshire, Facebook by searching Football in Berkshire, and of course you can visit the website at www.footballinbarkshire.co.uk. Uh, I should just add, if you like our podcast, please give us a little rating on Apple Podcasts. That'll help more people see it. And while we won't get any cash, it certainly will make us feel good about ourselves going into the next <laughs> yeah. round of, of recordings. Um, Rob, over to you. Okay, well let's tell you a little bit about the podcast then. We've recorded four interviews so far. You heard us speaking to Wokingham Town President Mark Ashwell in episode one. And we've recording complete of uh, John Underwood and Neil Baker, the Slough Town Managers, former Sandhurst Town Manager Pete Browning and Steve Stairs, and Maidenhead United supporter and all-round magpie encyclopedia Steve Ginman, who is the subject of episode two. Uh, he is indeed. Uh, I really thought I, I would struggle about the word encyclopedia, but you did that very, very well. <laughs> so, yes, of course, uh, with the Magpies going through a bit of a golden period at the moment, uh, promotion to the National League, um, at the time of, of chatting, they've had an absolutely flying start to the Vanarama National League season as well, under Alan Devonshire, and we thought we'd just try and get a little bit more information uh, and an insight into Dev's first stint at York Road. Let's have a listen. Afternoon, everyone. Um, I don't know if it could be whatever time you're listening to it, in fact. Uh, I'm not quite sure why you start with a, with a period of time. Um, I have met up with Steve Ginman, uh, who uh, is referred to in many circles as the Oracle of Maidenhead United. Is that fair, Steve? 
Well, I think there's uh, someone called Mark Smith who wrote the book. Who right. certainly, if you certainly, <laughs> if you're old enough to remember the advertising campaign, page the Oracle, the old C, the ITV. C, I, facts, oh yes, 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 yes. I so am I indeed. I would now point to a book, and that's yeah. that's the Oracle that we page that Mark Smith, our club historian, has written. But certainly, I've been around a long time and seen a lot of things. I remember when I started at the what was then the Reading Evening Post. And I, uh, I was when I started there. I, I started as a guy who worked on the website, which is loosely how all of this sort of football in Berkshire stuff all happened. Uh, I remember that I was specifically told I wouldn't be able to write anything for the newspaper. It quickly discovered that that was not true at all, and I ended up writing a short probably two 200 word column on non-league football every Monday and Friday and I remember having to go through your match reports for Maidenhead United games and and picking the bones out of it and and, and turning that into basically a paragraph which was you know there was a lot of detail there as well so talk me through the roles that you've held at, at Maidenhead United. Well I um, really sort of got involved I finished university in 1994 and um, had a bit of a loose end uh, I decided to start a fanzine uh, based on Maidenhead United. Okay. And that went well. And in time, and then I got to know people at the club. Um, it was a very friendly, open and sort of welcoming atmosphere. And I got involved in the production of the programme. Um, literally, you'd go down to the club on a Thursday before a Saturday and we'd photocopy all 150 <laughs> copies. Oh, wow. Folding every page, yeah. stapling everything, you could get the picture. And then in 1996, I took over as programme editor for a year. Yeah. Um, and then really it just was really a supporter for a few years um, then in 2003 there was a lot of changes around the club and I volunteered to take the programme over again but I also volunteered to do the matched APA and lots of the sort of press things that you refer to like yeah. writing reports which then grew into um, everything online to the fledgling website then became Twitter and, and yeah. so on over the years until um to 2011 when I stepped back but then I had other roles as like a director trustee of the ground and uh, the new community trust as well so very much involved in all aspects of the club what what drew you to Maidenhead in the first place is that your your hometown club or is it just I I grew up in a a road called Cortlands which is behind uh, Maidenhead station it's a very small development and I could actually see the floodlights from my bedroom window (laughs) that's always enough to draw someone in anyway so there's always this fascination and also where Maidenhead is even as a child, I didn't really know what Maynard United was in relation yeah. to uh, Manchester United, let's say. But you always saw it going on the train somewhere. You always wondered what was going on. <laughs> uh, my my family um, would talk about the, the good old days in the 50s and 60s and thousands of people would wow. go down yes. there. Um, and so you, there was always that interest. Um, Non-league was a bit of a closed world at the time. Um, the only thing you really knew about was the FA Cup and Maynard were permanently rubbish at that. So there was, there was no <laughs> kind of hook in. And really, it was a sort of watching brief, you know, go to the odd game. Yeah. Uh, and then when I started going along more regularly, you just got kind of got sucked in, and it was just like this, this big family that you uh, you just wanted to, to do something with. I I can't remember what year it, whatever year it was, but it, it must have been sort of possibly the mid whenever whenever it was that Slough were in the in what was then the conference, and there was uh, there was a brief magazine called the Non League Something mm-hmm. Something. There was a mag- and one of them had Slough Town on the front of it, and and. There were other reasons why I started being interested in non-league football, mostly because my dad would only take me to Bracknell because it was down the road. Mm. Um, but at the same time, uh, I, I then sort of was looking through and I discovered actually where, where Bracknell were in the league and they were they were bottom all the time. And it was quite an interesting... Like, even despite that, I was still hooked on it. And it, it doesn't half hook you in at times, doesn't it? When you, when, you, when you least expect it almost, I think. And also, 
the it's the hist- mainly United particularly it's the history because there was even then this awareness that York Road had been there a long time, right. that the club had played in the FA Cup since the beginning. So I can remember as a child picking up a Rothmans annual and seeing, <laughs> oh, 18th made it, made it. Not much after that, but there yeah. was something there. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, the non-league football annual, I yes. got occasionally, again, fascinated with football in all aspects. And then you try and find out where Maynard were. They were in the Isthmian League Division 2 South. Yeah, okay. So, which was, I suppose, it's a bit like being in the combined county of the Hellenic now, although yeah. I saw a local derby. Our local derby at one stage, I was watching us play Flackwell Heath, which you can't credit <laughs> now when we're no. some of the clubs we're playing. But again, it's it's all relative to the level you're at, and it's it's about the you know the, the way the club is and, and, and joining in and just yeah. becoming one of the one of the fans. So uh, we 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 sort of on on WhatsApp we we sort of decided that the period we were going to talk about I think because obviously there, there's there's been so many ups and downs for Maidenhead over the years but I think the period we were going to focus on was kind of the Devonshire years part one hmm. which is uh, correct me if I'm wrong 1996 mm-hmm. to 2003 that's right and I really should refer to my notes because I have made some <laughs> but that sort of that early period and and. And, and so Alan Devonshire, currently the manager of Maidenhead United, in his second spell, um, done rather well. But it wasn't. Was it? Was it similar? So, so 1996 to 2003, um, that that widely referred to as, as the golden age of, of Maidenhead United. Very much so, and it's it's 1996. The club was. It felt like it was on the cusp of something. Yeah. Um, the lowest point in the club's history was 1980, 1986, when the the stand burnt down, the club nearly folded. Um, there was lots of uh, eruptions off the scenes. Got relegated as well for the first time, and for ten years there was steady progress. Yeah. Got promoted, redeveloped the ground to a certain extent, uh, got financially stable. Um, we're mid-table in Isthmian League Division 1, but it was launched the next step. Hadn't won anything since 1970, not even the Bucks and Bucks <laughs> Cup. And it was this feeling, you looked around, you saw where Windsor, Slough, Marlow, Wokingham, yeah. all, some of those those had been lesser clubs, yeah. but were all but mainly were very much in the background. And there was a feeling that it was time to, to step up. So um, the committee uh, put the job out to advert, interviewed quite a few people. Um, I think at one stage, Graham Wilkins was quite close right. to the phrase uh, in, in the in the um, in the frame. Um, and in the end, they went for Martin Busby and Alan Devonshire, two well-known names um, in, in, in English football in the, in the 1970s. Martin Busby with a great QPR team of the late 70s, and of course Alan Devonshire, one of the, you know, the greatest players of the 80s. Um, but at the time, you know, Martin was the senior of the two. Yeah. He was manager at Feltham in the Combined Counties League, and Alan was managing Middlesex, uh, sorry, Osterley in the Middlesex yes. County League. So not big appointments in terms of their, their achievements, but seen as people that perhaps they want, they had ambition, they wanted to go further, and mainly it was the right next step. That, that is, is, that's quite astonishing. I, I mean, you wouldn't see now Maidenhead appointing someone. I don't suppose from the Hellenic League or from the 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 Thames Valley Premier League, you, you wouldn't. That just wouldn't. They would. They would be looking to appoint someone of of a national league slash conference standard, wouldn't they? And and it was that. That's quite an astonishing thing. Read just reading through it, looking at where they appointed these two guys. Although all, all that being said, both played for West Ham, mm. so both were were names, as you say, and perhaps you know their 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 coaching, their 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 background in football, maybe made them. Ideal candidates. I don't. You mentioned that Busby, and I remember reading. I've read on your on your uh, your blog. Educated left foot. Is that why educated left foot? Just just as an aside. I don't know. Is it, I don't <laughs> know. Why. Just when I, when I when I joined Twitter. Yes. Whenever it was, I was just trying to think of something witty, but I couldn't find anything. <laughs> so I decided because I work in education. Okay. 
I was the educated left foot. Okay. That was quite good because I didn't know this, but then if you Google educated left foot, I am actually the top hit. <laughs> Still, uh, edu- educated right foot, there's a few more. So okay. Went, yeah, uh, okay. Yeah. That probably yeah. sounds right in terms of left footed yeah. and right footed, yeah. doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. So, so obviously, yes, as you say, so, so Busby and Devonshire come in in, in 1996. Where, what, so where is the club at this point? Just, just let's, let's, let's timeline it. Where, where is the club? What, what's it So we're like? in the Isthmian League Division 1. Yeah. Um, one of the big benefits, we got our A grade, which entitled us to promotion, and that had been achieved about 18 months before. So there was very big determination from Jim Parsons, the chairman, and the officers that, that we wanted to be playing at the same level, as I said, of the likes of Slough and Windsor. Um, squad was fairly settled. Um, Alan and Martin, they brought in quite a few players, though, from, yeah. from Osterley and, and Feltham. And uh, we got off to a great start, but by the end of the month, we were top of the league. <laughs> so you must, you must be sort of thinking, well, here we go, right? Yeah. And then, basically, nothing until probably February. Right. Um, we went on a long um, winless run. You know, the win- usual winter <laughs> thing. We got knocked out of all the cups in the first round, and, it, and I think we were looking at each other and thinking, right, well, this is this was it was great hope to begin with, but yeah. is it going to be the same old mania just struggling to yeah. stay up and get a, multi- a mid table place? I wanted. I wanted to just pick up on this. This kind of this idea of the golden golden age of Maidenhead United. Golden age, golden golden era. I'm, I'm not sure what the what the the best thing to. Lots of things have been called golden, and I think they probably don't quite work, do they? But just going through the where Maidenhead finished in that period, it was you know you're looking at thirteenth, fourth, eleventh, third, and promotion, mm. and then sixteenth, sixteenth, and tenth. Looking at those league finishes, that doesn't feel like a golden era to me if I were if I was looking at that I'd be thinking well sort of okay there's a promotion in there but otherwise that's sort of seven years of eh, you know well thanks for coming guys I mean we'll, and we'll get on to the cup wins in a yeah, minute, yeah, but yeah. that was certainly a massive part of it right um, but there's a bit of a story to tell in those league places so you'll see there was big improvement so mid-table in 96-97 yeah 97-8 it was our first um, real attempt at promotion from Isthmian League Division 1 for about 15 years right. into mid-80s and we almost got there it was penultimate game in the season it was us v Hampton basically a playoff. we lost with 7 minutes to go and we played an extraordinary number of matches <laughs> in the previous 2 or 3 weeks um, a lot of Maynard fans I saw on Twitter the other day are still vehemently anti-Hampton in I, any way, shape or form. I, I saw this, yeah. yeah. Uh, do you know what? I, I quite admire someone who can hold a yes. grudge against a side for, <laughs> for quite as long as that. I mean, that you know, this is this is over 20 years later and, we, um, yeah. and people are still... I, I'm sure if I, if I... Who was I talking to the other... So I, I, I spoke to... Um, Yashua Romeo, oh, yes. who I believe yeah, yeah. played for Maidenhead at he one did. point, didn't yeah, he? Yeah. I, I spoke to him on on the phone and did an interview with him the mm. other day, and I said to him, I said, Look, I've got a real bone to pick with you because every time I saw your name on the team sheet, I knew we were done for. There was absolutely no chance we were going to get out of a, get anything out of a game, and even there was a few years later. So for us at the time, it was always Marlow as as a Bracknell supporter. It was always Marlow, and and they would they just hated it, couldn't stand them, hated them. Now lovely ground. Wouldn't mind going there again, just having a little look around. But at the time, but I don't, I haven't held it held a grudge for over twenty years. That's quite impressive. Yeah, and that's and that's that really, and it was because so, it was so close, and the yeah. team was so good. And I would still say that is my favourite season watching Maiden United really? for for many reasons, personal as well. Yeah, but it was just, oh, it was it was a great roller coaster ride. We did win the Bucks and Bucks Cup again, which yep. we'll come on to later. Um, and it was just like, right, you know when you're on that edge of hope, you said, right, this is it, we're going to do it next season. <laughs> and the next season was a bit of a flop, to be honest. And uh, We retained the, the, the Bucks and Butts Cup. 
But then 1999, 2000, Alan you know, did a bit of changes in his squad again. It's like, this is it, lads. Yeah. We're going to do it this season. And we did. And it was one of the most magical nights ever at York Road when we went up. We, we had to play the champions, um, Croydon, who already champions on a Wednesday. Um, we beat them 1-0 to go up. Otherwise, we would have faced... We'd already played about five games in that week due right. to cup matches yeah. and everything else. And... Um, and we won that game, and it was like we were floating on air, and it was just unbelievable. You know, grown men crying, those people <laughs> on the pitch. It was just, it was just an absolutely amazing occasion and achievement by all the team. And that's that's kind of at the root of that that kind of golden era to actually get in the Isthmian Premier Division. Yeah, which people of a certain age as well they remember the Isthmian League was you know in the south of England was so strong. Yeah, with teams like Wickham in it. And we were, of course, let's let's not forget, we were now one promotion away from the conference. Yeah. And we were now battling with teams like big clubs like Hayes, Dagenham, yeah, you know those sorts of teams that we thought, you know, this is this is it. This is where Maidenhead United yeah. should be. And of course, then as well, speak uh, in the previous podcast, I spoke to Mark Ashwell about sort of Wokingham's demise. And you know, back then the Isthmian League was four divisions. Yeah, you know, if you were in the third division, you it was minimum four years to get up to that Premier Division. So to actually be there, I can understand why it meant so much to you guys. Yeah, and and then you mentioned, if you go back to the league positions, we then, of course, first season was all about staying up, staying yeah. in it, and we did. I think fifth or sixth bottom. Then we improved a little bit the next season, and I think it might have been Alan's penultimate or last season when we got to 10th in the league. Yes. So it was very much, even though the league positions weren't great in terms of promotion do remember only one team went up out of that league as well so there were no playoffs to chase and really the the champions you know we were never even close to being in the running for the the title yeah so it was just steady progress on the pitch all the time and that feeling that the club was now settled in a stable Wismian league premier division club and really that's settling the foundation for then the national league south and all that uh, followed and yes, and as as you said at that point, because I think the 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 National League South, as it's called now, came in in two thousand and four. Mm-hmm. But at the time, you were, as you say, literally one one promotion yeah. from the conference, mm-hmm. uh, which which is obviously for for certainly for any club in Berkshire, Bar- is not blessed with football no. league clubs like some counties are. Obviously, some counties have none. Mm-hmm. But you know, to to be that close to to the football league, or, or at least the, the 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 level above, must have been must have been quite something. Now. You mentioned cup wins. Devonshire, Alan Devonshire started with a cup win, and he yep. he won the the full members cup, which was the I think that was the Isthmian League League Cup. If not is quite, it not quite no. No? so you go back to your point. The yeah. Isthmian League at the time had four divisions. Yes, uh, Premier to Division Three. Okay, yeah, yes, yes, it did. Yes, so, it did. Um, so I, I was watching at the time between Division Three and Division Two. So that was about Brackmore my level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, Alan Turvey, who ran the league, yes. he was quite um, well connected. Oh, he had quite, um, some quite important positions at the FA, and he was very conscious of promoting the Isthmian League as being the equal of the Southern League and the Northern League, where they'd sort of been seen as inferior for many years. So he, anything he could do to kind of push that and push the prestige. Yeah. So the League Cup had been running for many years. Um, so what they decided to do, they decided to copy the, um, the Football League and have a full Members' Cup for the top two divisions <laughs> and an Associate Members' Trophy for the bottom two divisions. Oh, OK. Um, up, up, we played in it, I think it was the early 90s it started. We never had any success. <laughs> um, but this one season, 96-97, um, things started to happen. We played an infamous match at Molesey in January where there are only 
four Maidenhead fans there. The reason for that is the vice chairman at the time, John Swan, recorded a message on the hotline, which was the main source of information, a recorded <laughs> phone, premium recorded phone line, uh, that the match would not be on. There was no way it could go ahead because it was a freezing weather. Right. Fortunately, I worked with Keith Jackson. And his father was on the committee, and he got word that the ref said it was gonna, we were going to make a go of it. So off we got in one car <laughs> to Molsey for this first round of the full Members Cup, the most insignificant match you could probably imagine, and we won 1-0. Yeah. We're off and running. Yeah. <laughs> Next round we played Walton and Hersham, I think who may have been Premier League, but Premier Division at the time, or they had just been relegated. Yeah. Again, one of the bigger clubs yeah. who won the FA Trophy or the Amateur Cup, I think, in the, in the 60s. We won away there. Then out comes the hat. We're in the quarterfinal. Yeovil Town away. Wow, okay. Yeovil Town, just just relegated from the conference. They'd gone into the Ispian with the reorganisation, managed by Graham Roberts, uh, playing in their, their new stadium at Hewish Park. Went down there, um, Alan Devonshire's, by then, had, I think he'd just about taken over from Martin Busby. Chuck Agadosi scored the only goal of the game midway through the second half, in front of literally about 15 delirious Bayonet <laughs> fans who insisted... <laughs> the away end was open for us they didn't want to open it up, but we insisted they did and we went that um, to give you a, a context of the size of that win the following Saturday Yeovil played Enfield the two were duking it out at the top of the league yeah. and it was an 8,000 lockout wow and we'd gone in um, no, lower mid-table with some in Division 1 and we'd, and we'd beaten them we're in the semi-final yeah. Sutton United again you think Sutton United 80s FA Cup Barry Williams again relegated out of the conference but still one of the biggest teams yeah. in Britain Came down, we had a, it was unbelievable. It was nearly 500 people at your road. Ne- never, yeah, it's 150s <laughs> usual one. Amazing. Sutton took the lead. We came back to win 3 1. Everybody on the pitch, you know, it was yeah. one of the, the best best <laughs> nights at York Road. You know, we're in a final for the first time since 1970. Wow. And, and doesn't matter what the size of the cup, we then draw Aylesbury United. Aylesbury United. You talk about grudges. I still hold a grudge against LB United <laughs> from the Barks and Butts Cup 1996 semi-final when um, we were played them off the park at home in in the dressing in the dressing room tunnel tunnel at half time. Our star player Gary Attrell, the real educated left foot, right, he was somehow ended up on the floor, knocked out. Right. right. Oh no, no, no. Yeah. I won't go any further than that. <laughs> right. Um, an LB player was immediately substituted. We'd lost our best player. They got they snatched a two each draw and they won the replay. So there was real kind of and this was a year after it. We played them in the final. Fate once again drew its hand. They decided the final we played at Marlow. <laughs> Marlow, our local rivals, having been in the Premier Division, played Tottenham away and all that. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. They'd just been relegated. They'd just been relegated from the from the from our Isthmian League Division One. And so this, obviously the theme of the night was we're going to win the cup at a second division ground. <laughs> they were a bit unhappy in the, in the clubhouse after about four of us went up and asked for a pint of relegation ale rather than their traditional rebellion. Yes. Uh, Aylesbury then came out, played them off the park, 3-0. Again, unbelievable scenes. My friend Graham Elric, he was about, must be about 40 at the time, I just have a brilliant memory of them. The third goal when he leads the charge to the centre circle, <laughs> pursued by about 50 kids. Wow. And our chairman comes on the mic asking us to calm down and get back on. We won the <laughs> cup. Everybody back to the club. We're drinking out the trophy. The Isthmian League Full Members Cup. It's the Mickey Mouse Cup, apart from the year we won it. Yeah, yeah. doesn't matter when you win it, does it? And we've broken that duck, and it was that feel-good factor about the club. And yeah. all of a sudden, this is, this is what you're in. It's the glory, and it's the... You know, and all the players, all the players, all the supporters together, 
wonderful, wonderful days. Uh, one thing I just want to go back to, just what on earth were Yeovil Town doing in the Isthmian League, which is traditionally sort of a London league? What, what on earth were they doing in Well, there? they'd been relegated from the conference, right. and that's where the FA put them. Um, okay. I think they would have probably preferred to be in the Southern League, yeah. although maybe they actually volunteered because they'd seen themselves as maybe a bit... Bit, bit too big for the league and therefore an easy promotion. As yeah, it turned out, okay. they were only there once. The irony is, of course, is that they had spent one spell before in the Eastman League in the 80s and they drew us in the League Cup. Uh, they had a certain John McGinley up front. Um, uh, the first game was a draw. We won the replay 3-1. <laughs> so we're very much looking forward to uh, playing Yeovil Town again next season in the, yes. in the National League because, of course, we're unbeaten in three matches. So. <laughs> it'll be a nice reminder for them I yep. hope hopefully there'll be a few signs and, and all that sort of thing going yep. on um, yeah it just strikes me as being odd that I, I, I suppose having having been down to Gloucestershire and, and the mm. South West and some of those grounds it might well be quite a bit easier to get up the M4 into London than going to some of those grounds perhaps you know yeah. maybe, maybe from but, memory Graham yeah. Roberts the manager was from London I think they trained at Hungerford or something like that oh, and really? it was very much uh, I think obviously as you'll know, uh, London's a, you know it's the best place for players because there are literally so many people. Yeah. Um, so I think that that was probably behind it as well. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, it, I, I, a colleague of mine at work is a big Yeovil Town fan, so I'll I'll be mentioning to him about the Maidenhead curse, and uh, I'll, um, I'll I'll get him looking forward to that one. So, yeah. yeah. Um, and do you know what? I may even come with you if you're going to the away game. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so so as you say, that that sort of started a, a a good a good spell for the club. What, what was what was to do with with Busby and Devonshire and Devonshire taking over? Was there any anything there? What? No, I think I think um, basically they both felt. I say after a good start, it didn't go so well, and they just felt it wasn't wasn't working. And yeah. It was called quite amicable, um, and Martin decided he it wasn't for him. And then having been sort of the the junior part or the quiet partner, he's quite a reserved man, Alan. He just said, "Well, I'll have a go." Yeah, and and there you go. And then the rest, <laughs> and the rest as they say, is history. Yeah. Indeed, yeah. indeed, indeed. So, so there were there were then County Cup wins, nineteen ninety eight, ninety nine retained, mm-hmm. um, two thousand and two, and then two thousand and three. So that those those cup wins, that they, if you asked, I, I imagine if you asked a lot of people. The county cup would be well down their list of priorities, and and certainly in terms of the modern version of the county cup, I really really like it. I, the way that they've got some of the bigger step four, step five teams in there, you know, with the chance to play mm. against the likes of Maidenhead and Reading, and and um, it's a shame Wickham aren't in there, but yeah, you know MK yeah. Dons and that it strikes me as, as as being really 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 excellent. But I can't imagine the, the the county cup would have been high in the list of anyone's priorities at the start of the season. Well, I mean, I think back then, I mean, any any cup was a cup. If you know, yeah. won nothing for 27 years. Yeah. <laughs> um, and realistically, you've got, OK, you want to run in the cup. You want to run in the trophy, yeah. but we're one of the lowest teams in the trophy. League Cup, OK, that's not great. Although we did get to the semi-final once and the final twice. That was They were both great achievements. Um, but the Barts and Butts Cup, it was one you could um, um, win. But also at the time, it was quite high profile because... Um, Reading had um, earlier in the decade been taken over by John Modeski. Yes. And he looked at it, he's not, not a football expert, and he said, well, why aren't we winning that cup with the biggest team yeah. in Berkshire? So they took it seriously for yeah. several seasons. Um, yeah, they, they, they'd won it, I think, in, in, in 95. Um, and they, oh, they they beat us on the way to winning it in 95 and brought it was pretty much a full-strength team. Um, and when we got to the final in, in 98 against them, um, if you looked at it, Tommy Burns had just taken over, but there was a lot of high turnover in the squad. But there was a very, very strong Reading team we played yeah. against, 
Um, we beat them 2-1 at Wickham. And again, it was an absolute fantastic performance. But typical Maidenhead. I mean, what, what adds to the uh, romance of this, the occasion is the um, club secretary uh, forgot to book the coach. <laughs> so so the, the team travelled uh, travelled in, uh, in in their own cars. And I remember we we I can't remember we we met in the pub and then we all jumped in a taxi. And Vernon Pratt scored the equaliser. And after the match, he gave me a lift back to Maidenhead. So that, oh, lovely! Again, that really yeah. sort of shows the the level, spirit of the time and uh, how everybody was getting on with each other. And it was all one club, um, which uh, it just speaks volumes. And the winner. Uh, Brian Connor, one of the highest appearance makers in the club, centre back, you know, hardly yeah. ever scored, complete Roy the Rovers fashion. It's one, we 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 pulled it back to one one from Vernon. Brian Connor picked the ball, charging through defender, charging through the centre centre circle, just like Mickey Thomas, charging through the midfield, <laughs> let one fly from about thirty yards, top Bang. back of the net. Yeah, unbelievable. Oh. So. Uh, in 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 terms of sort of that, obviously, there's there's those four there's those four cup wins, which. which does, does promotion, does that promotion season, does that mean more or do the, oh, the cut Oh, wins? absolutely. I mean, if you look at, um, I'll show you the book in a minute, because you, you you, it's only by looking at the sheer number of games that were played right. in that period that you, you can see how much of a of an achievement it was. I mean, physically, um, for the players who were all doing, all doing full-time <laughs> jobs um, on, a, on a very heavy, the very heavy pitch at the time, mainly because it was so wet, that... Um, to actually keep winning when everything was against you and keep playing I mean God knows they must have had so many strains and pulls and yeah. injuries um, and if I just illustrate we played I think we played Thursday at Whiteleaf I think Saturday or maybe it was Saturday at Whiteleaf um, then on Bank Holiday Monday we played in the League Cup final against Farnborough at Basingstoke we lost 1-0 after extra time oh God <laughs> then we had three matches to go. We had to win two of those three matches. One of them, as I said, was against the champions, um, Croydon. The final match of the season was against Tame, who were battling with us for third spot. Uh, the first match was against Romford, won that easily. Then we beat um, Croydon, and therefore the Tame match was irrelevant, and yeah. we could enjoy it. But just it was just the sheer elation and emotion of particularly having been so close in 98 and it was exactly the same situation a number of really um, difficult games in a very short period of, of time and the team just ran out of gas against a very good good Hampton team who famously had Darren Powers centre back who's Ricky, Mickey Adams was at the game and signed him on after, right. after that match as well as some other great non-league names you'll know like um, Francis Vines and people like that yes um, and it was, it was just so close and the team was so good and then just to pick you saw the hangover the next season, and then pick themselves <laughs> up, and then and then get promoted. Yeah. It was just it was just uh, electric. I mean, I always remember I talked to uh, Alan Devonshire after the match. You know, congratulated him, and he and he and he just started quoting Churchill. He, says, <laughs> he said, "This isn't the end. This is the end of the beginning." I mean, how right he was. Uh, Obviously, there was there was a there's a gap between <laughs> where he was and, and at, that, at that point. Um, so just just before we we kind of get on to to Alan deciding that. Maybe it was time for a change. What, what, what would you say if you say, if you had to pick? What was his? Who was his? What I'm trying to get to here. Who was his best signing? Who was the one that went right? This after the seven years, and you look back and you go, right, that guy was absolutely that. That was the one. He was the one that that, 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 that did the business for you. I think in terms of if you, if you look at number of games and consistency, and and as you say, in terms of someone he signed rather than someone who was yeah. already at the club. I would say uh, Obina Ulassi. 
He was a left-sided, I think he was more of a forward when he joined us, but Alan was very fixed at the time on his formation. He was going to play 3-5-2 wing-backs. Yeah. And in Obi, he saw the ideal man to in the left wing. He just bum up and down the whole game. You know, he's virtually ever-present ever, every season. Uh, fantastically intelligent guy. I think he had a master's degree in electronics <laughs> or something like that. Um, and yeah, and he was just day in, day out. He was just always there. He always reliable. And he, and he and he pretty much played for I think, almost the whole of Alan's time at the club once right. he'd been signed. Um, and we went to, um, I always remember he, he scored some fantastic goals. I think he got a hat trick once. Um, it was the match at Hampton, not that the big match, but it was just an ordinary match. He hit the ball down the line. He realised the defender was in the way. He ran off the pitch. He ran round the linesman, <laughs> overtook both the linesman and yep. the player, came back on, and then flexed <laughs> and carried on with his run. I think that was technically should have been the game should have been stopped, but it was it was it was <laughs> oh, brilliant. That, that, that kind of just summed it up. He was just a sort of real pocket rocket, yeah. you know, and and he just and he would just gave the club so much. Um, I mean, there are obviously players that shone uh, for shorter periods. Gareth Formshaw as a goalkeeper, he was only really he was uh, on loan for part of one season. Then he was the goalkeeper for the promotion season. But many people say he's still the best goalkeeper that ever played for the club. Ex Crystal Palace, yeah. and then and then he's, and I think he was South African and moved back there. Uh, Richie Barnard, who succeeded him, also um, um, similarly. But um, and then probably Lawrence Yaku, although he came towards the end of the period, so he wasn't so much associated yeah. with the success. But phenomenal goal scoring, um, and as shown by the very last. Alan's very last game in charge. Lawrence scored a hat trick in, in, in the Bucks of Bucks Cup final. Oh, wow. Okay. So, is there, is there anyone that sort of Alan signed and you thought, mm, not sure about this guy, and sort of went on to prove you wrong or prove you right? Yeah, probably. There was, um, there was a player called uh, Peter Terry. Right. And um, he was, he, he played, he, he's claimed to fame, he's played, man, played for Aldershot before they'd gone bust. He was one of the last kind of play, new right. players. And I always remember this because we played an away game once and he got doorstepped by a bloke with the, the book of all the footballers in the world and he wanted Peter Terry to sign it because he was in for having his one performance. <laughs> and he was one of those players that um, he, somebody from the terraces once once um, shouted, oh, stop ambling Peter Terry because he was seen, the player, the other, his other players called him the snail because he was so slow. <laughs> and it, so he was becoming known as ambling Peter Terry, sort of a country and western type, type player. <laughs> and then, yeah, and, and, and he, was, he was quite an influential midfielder. Same with, um, there was a, um, a striker called Lee Channel. He was dubbed Porno. Uh, right, in, in, instantly. <laughs> it could have been Chanel. He wore shirt number 10. It wasn't difficult to come up with a more pleasant nickname. Um, and at the start, there was a lot of criticism because he'd come in as a striker and yeah. and, and, and he, he jumped up a long way. I think he'd been playing sort of uh, local league football. And then in time, again, he became one of the top scorers. And, and again, he was, yeah. it was much loved by the, the crowds as well. So we get, we get to a point, it's coming to the end of the... Uh, 2002-2003 season and, and Alan drops the bombshell was it a bombshell was it a surprise or was it sort of um, a natural sort of I think so we'd got promoted you know we were winning the Bucks and Buck Cup almost as of right yeah. and things were very stable at the club um, but in terms of if you felt like say in 96 the club was on the cusp of something yeah by 2000-2003 the, the question was where was the club going next we weren't going to get promoted to the conference um, we were happy staying up, and there was a kind of a little bit of an inertia setting. Um, the chairman at the time, Roger Coombs, he he decided he was going to call it a day at the end of the season. He announced that about a year in advance, right. and the club started to make um, plans for his successor. And it was the, the vice chairman, John Swan, who was going to go into his place. 
and probably around I think it was about March April time Alan decided that it was time for it was time for a change for him as well and I think everybody thought you know well as you said it's a golden era but what more can he yeah. do um, at the club um, and I think it was it was well it was a very amicable parting of the ways it was a real was a bit of a party atmosphere in that last last match um, and it was kind of a good luck, you know, on to the next chapter of the yeah. club whatever, and for Alan Devonshire's next chapter and, and, and the next chapter of the club as well. Now, just just reminded me, where where did Alan go after that? He went to Hampton. I thought that was yeah, the case. Yeah, yeah. I did think that was the case. He did, did quite well at Hampton as well, didn't he? He I, did, I, I believe. think. So he, when he, so he dropped, they had, they were, obviously, if I go back to that infamous 98 match, they got promoted then. So they were in the Premier Division a, year, a couple of years ahead and they, we played them in the Premier Division. And I th- they then got relegated. So when he went there, they were in Division 1. Yeah. So he then repeated the trick, but of course, that wasn't enough to repeat the trick because in the interim, they restructured the league. Yes. So although he then got them back into this being Premier, there was, of course, we were now in the National League South. Yeah. And then he eventually got them into that. So he got, I think... Maybe a, one of them was a title win, promotion. He got had an FA Cup run with Hampton, which he, had, he never did at Maidenhead. That was yeah. the one sort of blind spot yeah. in his in his in his TV. Um, and they actually got to they got to the National League South playoff final. So at Hampton, he did have the resources um, to get to the conference. They were two 0 up at half time, I believe. Hayes came back and beat them three two. I'll, I'll forgive you for not knowing the, the yeah. direct history of Hampton and Richmond <laughs> yeah. Borough. I think that's okay. So he, he kind of, if you yeah. like, I suppose, especially in league terms, he he took his career on a, on a yeah. step further. Yeah, yeah. Um, and as I say, at some point we'll, we'll come we'll come to sort of Alan Devonshire part two. It's not not maybe for this yeah. for this particular podcast. Um, what what are the what are the sort of the the big the big? Memory? I know obviously it was it was sort of the start of perhaps maybe sort of the start of a real kind of love affair with with the club for you mm-hmm. um what are, what are sort of the real abiding memories of that i think it was just the way that the it was a real it's hard it's a bit hard to explain now um well i'm sure you'll you'll be visiting clubs that have, still have this and i think for supporters now who love where the club is and what it's doing there is that kind of set little bit of sense of loss that comes with change in higher profile yeah and being in a club where yes the the average crowd was probably 150 to 200 but everybody knew everybody yeah there was this real feeling that everybody could make a positive contribution to making the work the club work better whatever you did if even if you just came down in the summer and painted yeah you yeah know, you, or you did a little bit of sponsorship or something and everybody was valued um the the late chair chairman jim parsons who was there to appointed alan um, he was very good at making everybody involved. It didn't matter how, you know, how insignificant you might have felt you were. You were part of the club, yeah. and you were as much part of the players. And what Alan did, and, and his predecessor John Watt did, he very much impressed on the players that you are here for the supporters. Yeah. What you do, these you know the people they go to work, they go to school all week, and they come in, and the way you perform affects everybody's mood, and yeah. you have that, and it will take it as a privilege. And what the players then did. Um, you know that they were they were they were because of my, my our relative age. You know, we were sort of twenties as well. It was just like mates. You'd have a yeah. beer after the game. You know, you go to away games together, and it was just a very friendly sort of awful one, one for all. Came out on the pitch as well. I mean, there was the we haven't mentioned the Battle of Yedding. 
No. no. Okay, so tell me about the Battle of Yedding. 1999-2000 uh, promotion season. This is January, I think. Um, so, yeah, just a regular league game at Yedding. Um, we were 2-0 up, all going well. And um, there was a bit of a tussle. Um, it, was, it was towards uh, where we were standing. And I think it was Chuck Agadosi, our striker, was involved. And then Chris Ferdinand um, came in from nowhere. And as Brian Connor described to me... Uh, a karate kick, and then all hell broke loose, and all 22 players, right, all the bench staff, everybody, just piled into this mass brawl. Fantastic. And uh, at the end of it, um, five uh, players were sent off, two from Maidenhead and three from Yedding. <laughs> Yedding then scored, and they, they, they were so wound up they could equalise. Yeah. Then they had another player sent off, so it was 9v7, and we just about hang on, hang on. <laughs> uh, but it, that whole and that that was probably the most extreme result. But that whole kind of one for all, one for all. yeah. I mean, I remember it was Tim Cook, the great club captain, was a midfielder when Alan joined, but became centre back, so very much in the Tony Adams role. Yeah, there was two of the, let's say maybe a couple of the wingers decided having a bit of a dust up, and he just <laughs> screamed, "Put your handbags down!" <laughs> That's what I mean. Fantastic, that was it. That, but there was that kind of command, yeah. And then this is we're all and yeah. everybody looks after each other. And that that spilt that the the supporters felt that as well, and so there was this very sort of fond feeling that, however ramshackle the club was yeah. at the time, that this was a great place to be. This 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 I, I want to tell you a Chris Ferdinand story yeah. myself in a minute, okay. but just uh, that th- that sort of something that that impressed upon me and why I got so involved, I think, in, in was the way that like a small club you could you know you could go in there and after a couple of weeks of perhaps going to a game, suddenly you were. You were turning up, painting a fence, or you were, um, you know, these days you'd be doing the social media, or you'd be doing, you know, something, something like that, or something. And I think that that gets lost from even even from sort of what is now step four, and perhaps even maybe step step five. I think is slightly different, the Hellenic League, Combined Counties League, but that that seems to have got lost a little bit, and it's it's almost a little bit of a shame, I think. And, and obviously Maidenhead going forward are, are a much much bigger club now to the point that. You, you, they're even preparing to possibly go into the league. So, you know, in case, it, they're, they're, as far as I could see, they're preparing yeah. in case it happened rather than expecting it to yeah. happen. Yeah. Um, but it's all. I think that you know that does get lost, doesn't it? The higher up you go, and the more successful you are. Mm-hmm. Do, do you think that's a? Do you think that's a shame? I think there's two things I'd say about that. It's first of all, um, Bob Hussey, current vice chairman, friend of mine, known he was here all yeah. through this period. Um, he'd oft, his often remarks would be something like, if someone would say to me, oh, you're a bunch of amateurs, he would say, yes, we are, I'm very proud of it. Yeah. Because the only people getting paid were the players on, on yeah. the pitch. Yeah. And when Alan first came, they were, you know, they were literally getting paid expenses and they would spend their money in the bar yeah. after the game, yeah. and that's it. And also there's this notion, which I think the country has lost. I'm not, I'm not just talking about sport, just yeah. the country as a whole. This idea of volunteering and actually... Um, serving the community and actually not getting paid is actually um, makes you it gives you more of a sense of worth and identity yeah. and contribution. And what's what's slightly changes? I noticed this. I'm, I'm involved in in local cricket as well. Is sometimes the first reaction of people if you ask them to help out or if they offer to help out, the next question is how much. Yeah. And you think, okay, I get it a little bit because now we're the size of the club. But I've seen it in smaller clubs as well, and, and I sometimes think, right, well, actually, why don't you do it for the joy of it? <laughs> because, as I can tell you, your job is a job. I'm, yeah. fan- I'm lucky I've got a fantastic job. I work in education. 
but I get paid for that and I can leave that at home yeah and what I do I love um, working with at the football club because it's it's all on my own terms but because of that I do more of it yeah it's great yeah yeah and I, I completely agree. I completely agree. I just want to finish off telling you my Chris Ferdinand story. <laughs> it, it was a it was a Bracknell game at Egham Town, mm-hmm. uh, and th- we're talking about the, the the brother or cousin of Rio Ferdinand, Correct. aren't we? Yeah, I yeah, believe. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I remember I, ca- I cannot remember what season, but he was playing for Egham Town anyway. There was a there was a bit of a dust up, similar similar sort of thing, and he ended up getting sent off, and. Um, <laughs> Whatever was going on, the game was stopped, and you could hear him offering out whoever it was from the from the crowd that was giving him a bit of jip. You could hear him offering him out into the car park, and he said, "Right, I'll see you out in the car park afterwards." And he, he just sort of thought, "Blimey, what what on earth?" And because of course Rio Ferdinand was a was a thing by that yeah, point, yeah, yeah. and 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 you you know you knew who that guy was, and the last thing you expected was this guy to to be to be doing that and he for all i know he may well have had very good reason to be annoyed mm, I, yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah, the situation yeah, yeah. of the just in case he writes in and and and, yeah. and asks <laughs> but you know I, I i don't know what the situation but it, it, it that strikes me as you know that seems to have happened a couple of times along along the line there and i, I do remember at the end of it my mum my because i used to go to the games with my mum um i used to because i was driving so i'd take yeah, her right, sure. um not the, not the other <laughs> way around but i do remember i am never coming to this club again is what she said and as far as i know she's never been to Egham town again oh dear it's a bit of a shame but yeah. you know i was at university in Egham at the time oh. so <laughs> um odd to finish uh, a podcast with you steve talking about uh, one of my stories is anything you'd like to to just add that we might have missed i think probably the best way to sum it up in it's one of the nicest things about the last few seasons is that some of the players from that era just come along to odd games yeah and it's great to see them first of all um, but they just see, you can see that when they start talking about their career at Maidenhead, I mean, they may just do it for show. They always say, oh, that Maidenhead was my favourite club. Yeah. Which is nice to say, <laughs> even if it's not true. It's a bit like when you've got a singer or a <laughs> yeah. comedian and then whatever, this is my favourite town. You know, yeah. yeah, you all say that. But when they start talking about um, their their career, their, the, the, the things that happened, and sometimes we hear some of the other stories that we wouldn't yeah. have done that happened at training. Yeah. Um, Mickey Crichton's a great one. It, it, Slough sort of legend um, it, it, you see the light in their eyes and you think yeah that was a great time Steve thank you very much for talking to us um, we will be back at some point to talk about Devonshire part 2 I look forward thank, to it thank, thank you, you very time. much that was our interview with Maidenhead United supporter Steve Ginman um, I know we've talked about this before Robert uh, earlier in the podcast but you do have a bit of a soft spot for Maidenhead don't you um, what, what was your, your favourite game what's the one you remember oh uh, well there's been so many um, back in um, Devonshire's first stint which is more or less when I was actually watching them uh, they were really good uh, cup side and yes. uh, they, they had a number of cup runs and I remember a bit them in the I think it was the Ryman uh, League Cup yep. quarter final uh, they were in the first division at the time and they were playing Sutton United who were from the uh, division above and actually pushing for promotion in the division above. They welcomed them at York Road and Maidenhead eventually ran out winners 5-4 after extra time. It's a really <laughs> fantastic night under the lights and I think that's yeah. one that really sticks out in my memory. Was there a player that, that stood out for you at that time? Uh, well, there was a striker that went to Wickham Wanderers in the end, I think it was, uh, called Chuck Agadozi. Yeah. He, uh, he scored a number of goals. And uh, yeah, they also had a very tricky winger called Obina Ulasi on, uh, on the left wing, I think it was. So, <laughs> yeah. 
It's quite some quite some memorable moments then. Absolutely. And Rob, it's quiz time. Okay. Uh, we've got this. I know you're a bit nervous about the <laughs> United quiz, um, as I would be as of when the Bracknell Town quiz comes around, of course. Um, which may well be in a couple of weeks' time. Um, obviously, the quiz, we have three questions. The questions are the same to do with the attendance, uh, FA Cup runs, and f- when the team was founded. Um, I we, we will read the questions out, let everybody play along at home. Uh, and then we will do the answers and decide who wins. Currently, you are sort of winning 1-0, depending on the outcome of the judges... Uh, well, what we call it? Judges' houses? No, that's yeah. the wrong... Uh, the, 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 the steward's inquiry. Steward's inquiry. There, there we go. go. Thank you. <laughs> Struggling for the correct words there. Um, okay, so question one. Rob and I are going to write our answers down. Read, I'm going to read each question out. Rob and I will write our answers down. Everybody follow along at home, and off we go. Question one, then. What was Maidenhead United's record attendance at York Road? And don't forget, these answers are according to Wikipedia, so don't shoot the messenger. Um, tr- tricky one, that, because, of course, could well be quite high, given mm. that they've spent a lot of time in the higher divisions. But Got yourself okay. a number, I've Robbie. got a number, yeah. Okay. Uh, what was the furthest Maidenhead United reached in the FA Cup? Okay. Uh, if I remember, I know you said they were good cup side. Terrible yeah. FA Cup side from memory. Yeah, well, they're also one of the sides that have been in every single FA Cup since yes. the first ever one. So, yeah. And I've... I think there's going to be a bit of argument about this because there was a really early, and I think you've probably got the really early Cup one, and I've got the most recent one. So we'll Possibly, see. Yeah. We'll see. Finally, what year was Maidenhead United founded? Okay. Okay. Right, results time. All right. Okay, answers time. Um, Rob, okay, question one. What was Maidenhead United's record attendance at York Road? I put 3,000. Oh, right. I put 5,000. Okay, and what was the correct answer? You found this answer. I believe so. I think it's 7,982. Is that right? I think something 7,920, I think we, we said. Do we know who that was against? I'm not sure we do. I'm not sure, no. Feel free, anybody feel free to tell us. We'd love to hear. Okay. Okay. Um, the furthest Maidenhead United reached in the FA Cup, and I did think there might be a little bit of uncertainty about this one because Maidenhead United competed in the first ever FA Cup in 1871, and I think there were only 20 or so teams in it, yeah. and the following year there weren't that many more. So what did you go for? I went for quarter-final uh, in those early years, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. I did quarter-final as well. Uh, we've spent quite a lot of time talking about which one is actually correct. Well, because uh, recently, so last season, it was I think it was the first round, and, and recently the Magpies have made it to the first round on several occasions. Um, last season against Portsmouth. Quarterfinal is the correct answer, uh, according to the sort of official all the way back to the very beginning of the FA Cup. So we'll go with quarterfinal. Okay. So that makes it... That was a point each on that one, so that makes it 2-1 to you after the first question. So we'll see how we do on question three, which was, what year was Maidenhead United founded? I went 1870, because I think I can remember it on the plaque at oh, okay. uh, York Road. <laughs> I oddly went 1870 as well, which is a lovely coincidence, because last week we both did the same <laughs> day as well, which is nice and weird. So uh, point apiece again, um, that makes it 3-2 to you. Brilliant. Uh, as, you, as we explained at the start, the quiz is all about the closest number to the right answer. Obviously, you get a point if you get the actual right answer, which is great. So, um, it's 
pretty much it uh, for this week. Rob, have you learned an awful lot about Maidenhead United that you didn't know before? I have, yeah. It was really a really interesting insight into the team in that period. A uh, big thank you to Steve Jinman, who kindly came on the podcast for us. Um, Rob, do you want to round off for us? Sure. In episode three, we'll be speaking to Ascot United Director of Football, Neil Richards, about the Ground Redevelopment Project. Don't forget, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at FI Berkshire, Facebook by searching Football in Berkshire, and of course, you can visit the website at www.footballinberkshire.co.uk. And of course, thank you to Ellis Wood at Flair Media for sponsoring the podcast. Bye. Bye.